Well, it's good to see everybody today as we finish up this Accelerate series. Those of you who are watching online, we love and having you be a part of this uh, with us. You know, as I, as I begin today, sometimes people talk about their favorite meal, their death row meal. Like, what would you eat if it was your, your final, final meal? And thank you for asking. Here's what I would do. I'm going to go cheeseburger. Uh, Nick and I are so different. He's a foodie. He goes to really nice places. I, I'm just kind of I'm a blue-collar guy. So I would go cheeseburger. I'm going to go to Buster's here in town. It's going to be my favorite cheeseburger. I'm not telling you you should do that. I'm just saying that's, where, that's my favorite cheeseburger. Fries, I'm going to go Five Guys. Five Guys are my favorite fries here in town. There's no question about that. Uh, I'm not... Uh, I used to be a ketchup guy, and now I go uh, Chick-fil-A Polynesian sauce. You can buy it in the grocery store. I have it, so I'm going Five Guys Fries, Chick-fil-A Polynesian sauce. I'm going to throw you a little curveball. I'm a sweet tea guy, half and half kind of tea guy, sweet tea, unsweet kind of mix, just the right balance. Where I would go for my tea, Captain D's. Like, that's what every, every, every service people laugh at that. You know, people hate on Captain D's. Like, you know, nobody goes to Captain D's and then posts that on social media. Just finished up at Captain D's. It was awesome. Like, if you go, if you go to Captain D's, you're kind of, like, people won't even talk to you. Like, you see friends at Captain D's, they act like they're not even there. You don't even see me. I'm not here. I'm not doing this. I go there. I go there by myself. I kind of in, in and out. But uh, Captain D's tea uh, would be uh, where I'd go with my, my favorite tea. And you say, well, why are you telling us that? Because if I only had one message to preach... If I could only preach one message, I knew my last message, Dakota, and this was it. I'm, you know, I'm heading off into the sunset. I would pick this text, this passage of Scripture to be the one that I would preach to, to head out the door. Uh, and you ask why, and it's Matthew chapter 28, if you want to go ahead and turn there. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. It's a familiar passage for a lot of us, but this is, is Jesus' great commission. This is the last thing he says to his disciples, if you, were, uh, if you will, while he was uh, with them. So that's why I would pick that. And in fact, this is how, uh, th th this passage is the passage that we chose to really build our fourth growth step. This series, this Accelerate series has been built on our four growth steps in ministry. This is really, these four things are the things that God wants to use in your life to grow your faith and to build his church. And so worship, uh, we, we talked about that in week one, connecting in community with other believers in, in week two, and then finding that strategic place of service in week three. And then uh, week four, uh, for us, our, our really our fourth growth step is go, and it's where we get kind of the most, most pushback, like go where? where? Where am I going? I mean, why, why, why do you need me to move? And it's not going, not going somewhere, but it's going with something. It's understanding our mission, and in every place we go forward as a part of our everyday life, we, we're on mission. We're, we're doing something. We know what we've been sent. We know what our purpose and, and our priorities are. And that's all established in this passage. Now, as we think about church, you know, the original New Testament church always has always been a, a group of people that are on mission. It's never been like church has never been just this gathering or a place that we go to. Church has always been much bigger than that, a, a group of people that are focused on a singular mission and they're moving and they're going. And so we're going we're gonna to see that today. So let's jump into Matthew chapter 28, death row passage for me. It's uh, as good as it gets. Uh, this is my fourth time to preach this over the weekend, and I'm so excited for it, I, I can't hardly stand it. So let, let's jump in. Starting in verse 16, it says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee. Now just a reminder, uh, Jesus has been crucified 
uh, buried, resurrected. He's been uh, with his disciples and others 40 days on earth. He's about to ascend into heaven when this event goes down. So he invites his disciples back to go, uh, Galilee, which was uh, really their home turf. That's where uh, this group of followers uh, were from, where, where Jesus was from, the northern part of Israel, just north of Jerusalem. So the 11 went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Verse 17, I love this. When they saw him, the Scripture says, they worshiped, but some doubted. Now, let's stop there for just a moment because it says when they saw Jesus, saw the resurrected Jesus, their natural response was to worship him because of uh, who he was. And they're not seeing him in this beaten, bloody body. They're seeing one who is victorious over sin and over death. And their natural response was just to worship him. And then the very next phrase says, but some doubted. Now, that, that phrase, doubted, it doesn't mean that they had just to, they, they, they had unbelief into who Jesus was. The word doubted uh, can mean they hesitated a little bit. And why did they hesitate? What was keeping them from really fully surrendering in that moment? Well, could it have been some, some shame that they were dealing with when they deserted Jesus, when he uh, needed them the most? In the Garden of Gethsemane, he asked them to, to pray, and what did they do? They fell asleep. Simon Peter denies that he even knew Jesus three times to a servant girl the night of his arrest. And so they, they hesitate. They pull back just a little bit. Now, let's look at verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, two things really quickly. And this verse is so super important. What's interesting is in verse 17, it says they worship, but some doubted. And, and Jesus doesn't beat them up for their, their doubt here. He doesn't say, you know what, you goofballs, I've been with you for three years, and, and you're, you're still hesitating, what's wrong with you? He goes ahead and he just gives them their mission, but he makes a statement. He says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. This is the single greatest problem that we have in our world today. It's an authority issue, right? I mean, we disagree on everything as a culture, right? I mean, I've never seen, and, and I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not beating anybody up. I'm just, I'm just stating a point. We disagree about everything. We can't agree on anything. And so the, the real problem is that the real, the penetrating question is who is the authority in your life and who is the authority in my life? Because I'm not. I, it's, it doesn't matter to me. You, you, you shouldn't care what, 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 what I'm saying or what my opinion on, on something is. It's really the opinion of the Lord. He has the authority. And he says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. So now what is he going to do with this authority? That's pretty interesting, isn't it? When somebody has all authority on heaven and earth, that's a big deal. What would you do with that authority? And you know what Jesus does with that authority? He gives his disciples their marching orders, and it's really ours. He says, here's what I want you to do uh, with that. He says, therefore, go. Now, that's what, how we built this fourth growth step. That's the genesis or the beginning of this fourth growth step. When we say worship, connect, serve, and go, the go comes from this passage right here. And when Jesus is saying, therefore, go, he's really saying, as a part of your everyday life, stop hesitating. Didn't we see that in verse 17? You have to connect the dots here, or it gets pretty confusing, right? In verse 17, it says they worship, and then some doubted or some hesitated. Jesus said the time for hesitating is over. It is time to go. Go with what? with our mission in life, which what is our mission in life? Making disciples. That's what we would, we would see in this text. But let me just say something. As we sit here right now this morning, the Gulf Coast is 
about to experience a Category 4 hurricane. We are loading up a U-Haul out here in the parking lot, taking supplies down to Waverly. We're just uh, a little over a week ago, catastrophic flooding did so much damage, took many people's lives. We have seen what's happened this week in Afghanistan with 13 soldiers losing their life in an attack at the Kabul airport. Many other Afghan Christians trying to flee the country for their lives. All of us at some level are spun out a little bit with the resurgence of COVID, no matter what your thoughts about that, as we see, have seen over the last month, the spike in cases. What's my point? There's never been a more important time than where we stand right now in this moment to go and to be about what Jesus has called us to be about. And let me just tell you, if we miss this moment, listen, if we won't go now, we won't ever go. There's never been a more strategic time, and what I fear is the church is going to sit back and argue over the wrong issues instead of taking advantage of this very strategic moment to go and make disciples. So Jesus says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Now, when we see this great commission, this, is a, this can be a confusing thing. When we think about making disciples, a disciple is, 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 a, is a one-time event where a, a one time a person puts their faith and trust in Christ and they're born again, and then it is a lifetime event of being changed more and more into the image of Christ, right? And so we we see that. So he says, I want you to be about making disciples, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And then look, at his, look what he says at the end. I love this. Jesus says, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Why did Jesus say that? Why did he need to say that? Well, well, well number one, it's true. But secondly, he, he knew the tension that this statement would create. And, and, and for all of us, as we think about message like this that we're, you're about to listen to, where there's going to be a challenge from Scripture to do something with your faith, to go, to share your faith, to talk to others about who Jesus is, and to be involved in disciple-making, which is what the Scripture calls us to do, there's just an awkwardness with that, right? Because we're talking about something that's very personal. Now, about 10% of the church is really comfortable with these kind of conversations because they have maybe a gift of evangelism, but it's been my experience that the rest of the church just feels very awkward and ill prepared. So I've entitled this message, The Talk, because in many ways, watch what, watch what I want to try to do here. In many ways, when we think about going and sharing our faith, it's, it's kind of like the feeling a parent gets when they have to go in and have the talk uh, with, with, their, with their children, right? You know what I mean when I say the talk, right? You remember the talk? College students or high school students, your parents had that. It was an awkward time to listen to that, wasn't it? And so we sort of think about that because talking to people about Jesus is very personal. It's uncomfortable. I feel ill-prepared for it. I want you to turn your attention to the screen. I want to show you a clip from one of the greatest, I shared with you the greatest meal a moment ago. Now, greatest show maybe in the history of television. Everybody loves Raymond. But let's take a, take a clip uh, from Everybody's Love Raymond. It'll kind of uh, set up what we're going to talk about for the next few moments. Allie? Daddy. Hi. What you doing? Just playing with my dolls. Oh, good. Good. Listen, um, the other day you, you asked questions about babies and stuff. When you started sneezing. 
<laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, anyway, I was wondering if you wanted to talk about that now. Okay. Good. Good. Okay. Let me try to explain a few things. Okay, here's what happens. When a man and a woman love each other very much, they get married. And then sometimes they decide to make a baby. Why are there babies? Right, right. Okay, I'm going to get to that. Okay. What a man and a woman do is... No, I mean, I know that the man and the woman have to do something, but... Why are we born? Why has God put us here? <laughs> because that's what? I love that clip, and, and that clip c kind of steps into the awkwardness of what I'm trying trying to say. When it when it comes to really making disciples or having a conversation about Jesus, a lot of times we just feel the tension and just feel the awkwardness in that moment. Again, that's not everybody, but for many of us, we we kind of feel that because it's getting really personal, and I'm sure and I'm, and I'm not sure if I know exactly what to say in that moment. They're going to ask like a super hard question that's going to kind of spin me out, and I won't I won't know how to answer it, and I'll be be embarrassed, and so we. We, we have those feelings. So I want us to talk about that uh, for just a few minutes in, in, in the context of, of having the talk, which really means making disciples. I'm using it to say that. That's what Jesus is, is calling us to. Let, let's look at the first thing. We'll put it up on the screen. Imperfect people have always been used in, in having the talk, right? Because Jesus says go on that mountain in Galilee in the north of Jerusalem. He says go to a bunch of imperfect people people, the disciples who were with him. And so we feel the tension and we feel the same way. Like this is super important, but I don't feel qualified. I don't feel qualified for something of this magnitude. Jesus has always used imperfect people to have the talk. So don't let that be an excuse. One of the excuses that, that I hear now more than any other about discipleship, and we make discipleship just sort of a, a hard churchy term. Discipleship is just introducing somebody to Jesus and helping them for the rest of their life know how to grow and conform into the image of Jesus. Well, here's what, what I hear a lot from people. They say, well, I've never been discipled, so I don't know how to disciple somebody. And, and I know what they mean. What they're really saying is, I've never had somebody one-on-one -on -one spend time with me every single week and take me through the scriptures and disciple me. I see that some people have had that. And so in their mind, they're thinking, that's what discipleship is. Somebody has to spend, you know, all this time with you to get you ready. And I, and I don't, that, that hasn't been my experience, so I don't have that. So I feel, I feel ill-qualified. For, for that. Now, if you've had somebody spend one-on-one uh, -on -one time with you uh, every single week for years, that's a great thing. But that doesn't mean that you haven't been discipled. I mean, to be honest, let's just be clear about this. We're doing discipleship right now, aren't we, as we're studying the Bible. 
right? As you grew up, those of you who had the opportunity to grow up in church and, and sit in, in Sunday school classes or have your parents do devotions with you, like we've been discipled, you know, not perfectly, but you don't want to use that as an excuse because why? God has always used imperfect people to have the talk. That's what we, we see. And, and the other thing I hear people say is, I don't know who to start with. Like, I don't know, do I just talk to the waiter at lunch today or just have an, 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 an awkward conversation with somebody in class tomorrow? Who, who, who do I start with? Well, I always say this, start with those closest to you, like family members, you know, people that you know, closest friends that you have, someone who is hurting. If you're a parent, your children, discipleship starts at home. I mean, spending five minutes tonight before your child goes to bed, looking at a devotion and reading the Word of God, explaining Scripture to them, all that. You know what that is? That's disciple-making. And that's what you've been called to do. That's your mission in life. And what Jesus is really saying is because of this authority that he has that's been given to him, he wants us to really orient our life around this in some way, right? So the, the next thing I would say, first of all, God's always used imperfect people to have the talk, so I can kind of empty the excuse bin. Number two, the talk is a, is a command, not a suggestion, like when Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, that isn't a suggestion. He's not saying, you know what, hey, guys, I want to just throw something out to you. This is probably a pretty good idea. You ought to think about it. Why don't you guys get together after this and kind of talk about it and see what you think. Jesus isn't suggesting something. He's commanding something. Does that make sense? That's a big difference. Like discipleship is a command given to us by the highest ranking officer. It's not a suggestion. Like if you, if you have a background in the military, when, you're, when, when someone over you gives you a command or gave you a command, it's not like you said, hey, appreciate that. I'm going to kick that around and see if that's best for me. Right? No, you don't do that because that, that, that's a command, not a suggestion. And that's what discipleship is. Jesus said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Now, here's what I'm going to do with that. I'm challenging you to, to go and make disciples. Right? So I, I, want you, I want you to think about this because this authority issue is such a big issue in all of our lives. I want to press into it for just a second. Super important. I mean, the statement that Jesus makes is a bold statement. He says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. How can someone make a statement like that? Well, let's think about the Jesus story a little bit. While Jesus was here, he exercised authority over storms. Did you see that? Do you remember growing up? I mean, you, you, you read this. I mean, there's a storm on the Sea of Galilee, uh, and Jesus calms the storm, right? So he has authority over storms. Jesus had authority over spirits, evil spirits. Jesus cast them out over sin with the paralytic. He says, your sins are forgiven. Jesus had authority over storms. He had authority over spirits. He had authority over sin, over death with Lazarus. You remember that in the Lazarus story when Jesus tells him to come out and Lazarus steps out of the graves? So Jesus has authority over death. But here's the real question. Does he have authority over you? Because that's the really important question of authority, right? Here's the, here, here's the greatest fear. I've shared with this, uh, this with you numerous times. For me as a pastor in the, in the southeast, this is my greatest fear. My greatest fear is, is not that you would leave the church and, and just become an atheist. My greatest fear is, is that you would in your life really stop short of becoming a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ 
You see, what, what, what we have for, for so many of us is, is just this intellectual belief in Jesus. And we identify, listen today, we identify as Christian, right? Probably most of you in this room today or most of you watching online would identify as Christian. But here's something that's interesting about reading the New Testament. There's only three times in the New Testament believers are referred to as Christians. 281 times are they referred to as disciples, in fact, the first time, the first time in the New Testament that they were referred to as Christians is in Acts chapter 11, and it wasn't believers calling themselves that. It was the culture calling them that, and it was probably a derogatory statement, right? And so, you see, a Christian is, 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 is in our culture somebody who believes maybe the right things about Jesus. A disciple is someone who is following Jesus and has come under the authority of Jesus. You see that? And here, here's the truth in life. This is a truth. If, I, if I'm raising a teenager today, I would write this on, on, on the mirror in their bathroom, make sure the Sharpie erases. We, we had that problem in my house, but still a good one. Maximum freedom comes in surrender to the right authority. There are high school students sitting right down here in front of me. I love you guys sitting here. It's really cool. But if you want maximum freedom in your life for the rest of your life, do you know where you find it? You find it when you surrender to authority. Watch what I'm about to do because I'm going to speak to the adults and they're going to agree, agree to this, right? I really believe. Do you know what? You guys think about this. Do you know the key to being miserable? It's fighting authority, isn't it? If you want to be miserable for the rest of your life, just fight the authorities in your life. You'll be, that's a blueprint for misery, isn't it? Just fight authority in your life and you'll be miserable for the rest of your life. But maximum freedom comes when we surrender to authority. And, and that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, all authority on earth has been given to me. Now, how can somebody make that statement, right? When you walk out of the grave, you can make a statement like that. Agreed? Yeah. He says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Now, go and make disciples, right? If, if, if discipleship or you and I as a part of our life is, is, is aimed at making disciples, that's really proving are showing that we're coming under the authority of Jesus. You see, because his authority sends us, his authority guides us, his authority empowers us, but first we must surrender to his authority. You see, that's the essence of it. And folks who are going are really showing that they have surrendered to the authority of Jesus in their life. So let, let's finish this up with the third, third point. First of all, imperfect people have always been used in having the talk, right? Jesus said go to some pretty imperfect people that day in Galilee. The talk is a command, not a suggestion. I have to constantly remind myself of this. not just a good idea. It's a command from the Lord. And number three, I love this, we'll never have the talk alone. In other words, you will never talk with someone about Jesus or disciple someone, show someone the Scripture to help them grow in their relationship with Jesus. You'll never do that alone because the promise of Scripture here is that he will go with us. And surely, look at verse 20 again, Matthew 28, verse 20. And surely, in other words, you can trust this, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus knew the tension that we would feel. This is so important. God will not send you without going with you. Do you believe that? He's not sending you without going with you. Isn't that encouraging? You see, and, and I hear this all the time, and this is so important. I hear this all the time from people. Pastor Brady, why don't we see the miracles in our life today like, like we saw in, in the Bible? 
Why aren't we seeing that? I'll tell you one of the reasons why we're not seeing that. We know clearly today what God is up to. God is up to today redeeming men, women, and boys and girls. That is the work that God is up to. And if you want to see the work of God in your life, then you join him in his work. That's where you'll see the work of God. I said it in in, in your notes this way. It's a little bit better. The best way to see God work in your life is to join him in his That makes sense? The best way to see God work in your life is to join him in his. I am a I'm getting going. It seems like there's just, there's just more young people now than ever before. I'm noticing that. There's young people everywhere, and I'm glad to, glad to see you. They're, they're, they're just everywhere. But one of the things about getting older is I am just more forgetful. Amy and I seem to play charades two or three times every night. We're trying to remember something, you know, and we're, we're looking for clues. But I'm more forgetful. One of the things that's amazing, it's just one example of this, one example of this. Whenever I am talking with someone about Jesus, it's amazing the scriptures that come to my mind. I cannot remember my, I have two dogs. I call them the wrong name consistently. I can't remember my dog's name, but I'll be talking with somebody and a passage will come to mind that I haven't thought about maybe in years, and I'll share that in that moment. And there are times in the midst of that I'm like, where in the world did that, that come from? And to me, that is supernatural evidence of God at work in my life. You see, when we join him in the work that, that he's doing, that we begin to experience his power in our life in a powerful and amazing ways. And when we go, right, as we're involved in making disciples, it's not just that somebody else might be blessed because they hear the good news of Jesus, is that God grows our faith in powerful ways because we're seeing God move in our life. Does that make sense? Let me, let me show you a passage that explains this way better than what I've been trying to do. It's found in uh, Philemon. Philemon is a, is a short book in the New Testament. It's only one chapter. So if you set a goal this year to read like a book a month and you're like, you know, way behind, read Philemon on the ride home. It'll take you seven minutes and you've completed a book. So it'll help you kind of get caught up. It's God's way of helping you get caught up with some goals. Philemon verse 6 says this. Paul says, I pray that, that the sharing of your faith may become effective, might just like bubble up to action. I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective, watch this, for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. Like, as you, begin, as you begin to do that, as you begin to have the talk, here's the secret, you begin to have a greater understanding of the fullness of who Christ is and what he wants to do in our life. Now, the thing that I'm sad for about this series going away is one of the things is uh, this baby leaves tomorrow. I've grown accustomed to it. Throughout the week, I just walk by and look at it. Uh, we, have, we have some, oh, there's a little guy on Thursday night. He comes to Thursday night service. He's got his cowboy boots. He's a dude, man. Every Thursday night after it's over, he comes forward. I think he's getting saved. He comes down and just walks right up to the car. <laughs> he just sit and walk around it. You know, he loves it. I, I'm going to miss this car. Let me tell you something about this car. Th- this car really isn't made to sit up here on a stage. You know what this car is made for? This car is made to go. This car is made to run. And I'm, I mean, I've had a chance to ride in this car. I've told you about that. Is it bragging? Maybe. I mean, you put, a, you put a four-point harness on when you get in this car. I'm not making that up. And this car is made to run. Now, when this car is in the parking lot, you ride this car in the parking lot, and Steve's driving it at 5, 10 miles an hour, it's not a good ride. I want to be honest with you. It doesn't sound good. It's, it's loud. It's shaking. But when he steps on it. And when you open this bad boy up, yeah, it's like nothing I have ever experienced in a vehicle before because that's what it's made for. It is made to go.
And if you're in Christ, can I tell you something? So are you. And it is the going that we see our Father do some of the most amazing work in our life. You know, we did in, in 2017, we did something interesting. We took a whole Sunday where there was no preaching and we just did a survey. We asked just a ton of questions and we just gave you time in the service to do it. Some of you are like, no preaching? I'll take a survey next week if you want to do that. We'll do that. But here's what we learned. We learned a ton of stuff, and we still look at it today a lot. From that survey, we found that 99% of the people who took the survey knew they were supposed to do something with the gospel, share the gospel with someone else. That, that, that's basically everybody knows that. That's what the survey told us, and that, that's true. 67% of the people that took the survey said this. That's just of us. We're not talking about other churches. We're just talking about us here. So like almost 7 out of 10 said I feel ill-equipped to do that. So that's kind of the tension that we live in and the frustration we live in. I know I'm supposed to, but I didn't even know how to start, and so we're just frustrated. I want to spend the last five minutes with just some, some basics of, of starting the engine of discipleship. And I want to I want to try to show you that it, it may not be as complicated as we want to make it. And it's a place for you to move and get some momentum and get going with this. And we'll grow from this. This isn't, again, what I'm about to say. This isn't everything you could say about how to make disciples, right? But it'll get us started. It'll move us from nothing to some activity in our life when we start to orient our life around the gospel. And for some of you here today, you would say, you know what? I want that because I know, I know Jesus has called me to go, but I feel stuck. And here's the first thing before, before we get started. Some people will say, well, I, I'm not really into witnessing. That's not my thing. Yes, you are. Everybody in here is a witness. You're witnessing all day, every day, and so am I, for starters, right? I'm either, a, I'm either giving a clear picture of who Jesus is by the way I live my life, or I'm confusing people more and more. Scripture's pretty clear. We're either gathering or scattering, so we're all witnessing. It's, it, the real issue is what type of witness am I? Right? So let's look at a couple things about starting the engine of discipleship. Number one, here's the first thing. Prayer always starts the disciple-making process. Just praying for somebody who doesn't know Jesus consistently starts the disciple-making process. And can I ask you this question? Can you do that? Again, this isn't rhetorical. We can do that, right? We can do that. Now, some of you are looking at me with very dismissive looks like, well, I'm really glad I came here today because that was super confusing. I didn't know to do that. But watch this. Here's how to take that to another step. This, we, we, we have a dream here that everybody would have at least one as-you-go relationship. It's a coworker, It's a neighbor. It's a friend. It may be a child, a cousin, a roommate, a teammate. Could you ask them, could you say, hey, what's one way I could pray specifically for you this week? And they, it's amazing. I've never had anybody tell me, you know what? I don't, I don't want you doing that. Give them a second, and they'll come up with something. They'll say something specifically. It's usually about somebody else maybe in their life. That's okay. But pray specifically for them. And then a week later, come back and say, can I just ask you what God has done in that area of your life? And they may see God move in that area, which would open them up to the gospel in a powerful way. Do you see? Could you do that? You see, it's not as complicated as we might think. Uh, number two, invitations can open the door to disciple-making. A simple invitation. It's really not that, not that difficult. I snuck into y'all's service on Wednesday night. I was back there in the back, and 
I, I love Pastor Todd's story. To me, some of you don't know Pastor Todd Bronner's story. Of, he was, a, I think, a junior in high school. He's on the track team at his high school, and during track practice one day, uh, another one of his teammates just in, invited him to a Wednesday night youth group at church. So, would you like to come to church? And Todd said, "Are there girls there?" And he said, "Yeah." He said, "I'll be there." Something like that. But he, but he came that night, and over the course of the next several weeks, just hearing the message of Jesus, who Jesus was, and what he'd done in his life, and he gives his heart and life to Christ. And over the last 20 to 25 years, just hundreds, if not thousands of young people have been able to hear the Jesus story through his life, which is amazing. But why do I tell you? It started with one person, just with a simple invite that launched that. And so can you do that? You see, invitations many times start the process. Here's the third thing. I hear people say this all the time. I just don't know what to say, right? That's why the Everybody Loves Raymond clip. He's got eight different books that he brings in to talk to his daughter. I just don't know what to say. Well, don't say anything. And you say, well, what, what do you mean? I, I think listening will always reveal what's missing. I think to be a great disciple maker, I think we need to be a great listener. And it can be just as simple as just asking a question. Hey, I've never had a chance to just hear you share your story, your spiritual journey in your life. Would you like to do that? Tell me what you think about God. Tell me what you think about what's going on in our world. Just ask them a question and then listen. Listen to their story. And you'll get a chance to really kind of find out what's missing. Uh, back in the 70s, uh, my dad my dad had this old beat-up Ford truck. and. And uh, that was before. Nowadays, when something's wrong with your vehicle, you take it to a mechanic, they hook it up to a computer, and the computer tells you exactly what's going on. That wasn't the way it was in the 70s. My dad's mechanic, he was just a dude, just a gritty guy. He just had a little garage out behind his house. I can still remember pulling up there in the driveway, and this dude would come out and just covered in grease. And, and he would come out, and he'd tell my dad, he'd say, turn it on. My dad would turn his truck on. And the dude, he wouldn't pop the hood. He'd just stand there in front of my dad's truck. And he'd just listen. You try to talk to him, he'd say, shh. He listened. It seemed like three, four, five minutes, dude's just listening. And he'd say, turn it off. And then he'd tell you what was wrong with it. By listening to that vehicle, he could tell you what was wrong with it. Didn't you have to pop the hood and look? You see, one of the one of the things with Christians is we always wanna we want to talk. What we need to learn to do is is listen. And as you're listening and hearing people's story, you can kind of find out what's missing. Then you have a chance to come back and, and speak into that a little bit. And then next, the next thing I would say, and let me ask you this. I've tried to do it every time you aren't playing along with me, but that's okay, but I just keep trying. Can you listen to somebody's story? Could you do that? I'm just trying to tell you that isn't as hard as you might think, right? I can listen to someone's story. You know, listening means loving, doesn't it? Right? Now, here's what, what's next. Can you share your story? Learn to share your story. Learn to share, share your Jesus story. Right? Here's the thing. One of the reasons why we're afraid to share is we're, we're afraid that people are going to ask questions that we're not going to know the answer to. You know, this powerful tool, we, we, in churchy terms, we call it sharing our personal testimony. That's one of the things that nobody really argues about because people can't really argue about your own experience. Do you see that? So learn how to share your experience, your story, right after you've listened to theirs. Because it's really hard not to be able to talk well about what you love. Does that make, make sense? I mean, if you love him, if he's done something, if you're alive, if it means anything to you to be in relationship with him, really telling your story is really talking about what you love. I mean, I could say to you, hey, guys, this is the third service. It's over. But the 
but from 1230 until 5, I'd like you to just come sit on the front couple rows. I'm going to talk about my grandkids. I got pictures. We'll do that. I could talk about my grandkids for hours. Why? Because I love them. Because, hey, any guys want to stay around? We're going to talk about fishing. I could talk about fishing till you're blue in the face because I love it. But really talking about Jesus really ultimately is really learning to talk about what you love and what he's done in your life, just sharing your story. The next series that we're starting, we're excited about, is a series called Storied. Uh, And it's looking at the parables of Jesus and how the stories that Jesus told really intersect with our stories in a powerful way. One of the things that we're doing with the artwork, which I think is super cool, is kind of build off. This wasn't my idea, by the way, but I'm taking it as mine. Our communications folks said, we want to do like an old school baseball card sort of feel. Right, and so you remember, and this is probably more guys than gals. But when you when you were a kid and you bought some baseball cards, and and then you looked on the you looked at their picture, and you looked on the back, and you would read their story. Like I I remember remember memorized stats. I mean, I could tell you all the, my favorite players because I had their card. Here's what we're gonna do. And you may think it's cheesy, that's okay. We're we're gonna do a give you a digital a way to get a digital baseball card where you can put your picture on there, and then on the back you can write in your story, right? of what your life was like before, how you met Jesus, and what Jesus has been doing in your life now, sort of highlights. So you you got a baseball card. You can share that with somebody. And I know some of you are like, I'm not going to do that. That's okay. That's not my point. My point is just learn how to effectively share your story. If you say, well, that's a stupid idea. Perfect. Show me a better one. You do that, right? I'd I'd rather do my dumb one than than not do your your nothing. That didn't sound right. You understand my point, right? Maybe better than nothing. Maybe a good way to say it. And then lastly, scriptures are really the headlights of disciple-making. Scripture memory. I'm going to give you three. It's time to go. I know. Some of you are giving me that look. Thank you. This is my death row message, right? Three things. it's, It's amazing. When you're memorizing scripture, God gives you an opportunity to share that scripture that week. Let me just give you three, and you already know some of these anyways, because scripture is really the headlights of discipleship. You don't have to trust your word. You trust the word. Right? When you share the word, it has power. I don't have power. The word of God does. Right? Memorizing these three scriptures can cut you loose to start introducing people to Jesus. John 3.16, you can write that down. Some of you already know that. You're already ready to go. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Memorize Romans 6.23. This week, I promise you, God will give you a chance to use it. Ephesians 2.8-9, you're not writing it down. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith. And this not of yourself, it's a gift of God uh, so that no one can boast. you see that? Just write those verses down. Work on memorizing those verses. Let me close with this thought. It's kind of true, isn't it? I mean, talking to people about Jesus is kind of like having the talk. It feels kind of awkward at times, doesn't it? But let me ask you this question. Aren't you glad that someone had the spiritual talk with you if you're a believer? Aren't you glad that somebody pushed through the awkwardness in your life and had the spiritual conversation with you? I am super glad, right? Now what we're about to do as we close the service out, we're about to share in communion, and and Jesus leaves us this meal so it could be a picture, a visual of the talk. Go ahead and take the elements. You've got them. You can take them in your hand right now. The bread and the cup. It's a visual of his broken body and his blood that brings forgiveness so we can just be reminded of the talk. I want to ask you this as you're grabbing the elements in your hand for believers. Could you look this way if you're watching online? So cool. Some of you are having communion in your home with some bread, some juice with your family, which is really cool. But as you're holding these elements in your hand, before we receive them in just a few moments, I wonder if, I'm talking to believers here, 
I wonder if by sharing in this meal today, you might say, Lord, afresh and anew, I'm surrendering to your mission for me, which is making disciples. Somebody here today or somebody watching online, by sharing in this meal today, trusting in the broken body and the sinless blood that cleanses, by doing that, maybe you're saying, Jesus, for the first time in my life, I'm trusting you as the authority over me. Because to, to be honest, I've called myself a Christian all these years, which is basically meant I'm not an atheist, I'm not a Muslim, I'm not a Jew, I identify as, as Christian. But I understand it's, it's way more than that. I'm saying, Jesus, you are the authority in my life, and I am surrendering to that. I'm trusting you as my Savior. I'm trusting you as my Lord. You are the authority in my life. And maybe today in sharing in this meal, that's what you're saying in response to the Lord. Father, thank you for this moment. Thank you for this sacred time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.